I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show, continuing on this week for yet another episode in spite of bewilderingly ferocious popular demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight. And with me in the studio is a man who over the years has been repeatedly voted Britain's biggest lad. It's Tony Kerr. (sighs) Over the years, well, I must have missed that because I didn't really get invited to any award ceremonies or anything. Well, they can't invite you to an award ceremony where you're going to be voted Britain's biggest lad because who knows what havoc well. you'd wreak, what destruction you'd leave behind if you turned up at an <laughs> awards party. I'm exceptionally worried about the reputation you're kind of creating for me here. Well, I think you kind of create it for yourself. Well, yeah. How's it going this week, Yeah, though? That's very good. No, it was a quite a big weekend, to be fair. The Guernsey Easter Hockey Festival took place which is a world-famous event. Now, you hate hockey. Well... All through your life, until very recently, you detested hockey, detested playing it, detested people who enjoy playing it. Uh, and now you posted a Facebook status at the weekend, Hockey Festival is the pinnacle yeah. of what your life <laughs> Yeah, of everything. I have to say, a lot of things that I used to hate, I've softened my stance on as I've got older, including hockey. So there we go. I did actually quite enjoy playing it. It was quite, it's quite fun. It's quite satisfying. Were you actually in any kind of fit state to, to play hockey at a reasonable level? At the level? beginning of the weekend, yeah. It kind of tailed off a bit. Well, I had a much more wholesome <laughs> weekend. I was, uh, I was up in the Lake District with my family, which was a good time. Uh, I had a great weekend. It's a bit weird, though, because uh, it takes, like, from here in Guernsey, you have to fly to Manchester uh, and then drive up, which is a couple of hours. And then coming back, there's, like, a lot of waiting around in the airport and stuff. So from door to door, it takes about eight hours. And I genuinely feel jet-lagged this week. I mean, obviously there's no time difference and the actual flight is about 45 minutes. But like yesterday, the day after I'd, I'd done the journey, I was like stumbling around, not sure what time it was, like where I was. It was awful. I mean, it sounds a bit like my weekend <laughs> for most of it, but yeah. I wouldn't, awful. You could substitute that with great. Yeah. No, that was nice. Lake District. I've never been there. They won't let you in, I wouldn't have thought. Not with your lad tag Uh, (laughs) you picked me up in the car to come here Tone, and you said the first thing you said was i am so tired and then when we arrived here you're like i am so hungry (laughs) so this is gonna be a good episode then we're all looking forward to this Uh, but it's the first time you've picked me up on the way to the studio for quite a while because you usually walk yeah but you haven't walked tonight no i will walk next time but it's just it's freezing and you've been walking for a while now i drive and meet you here i have to sort of time my run to meet you here 
But uh, I think when you first said, I'm going to walk to the studio, I think you might have said it on the podcast. And I think I made fun of you. You sniggered. I did snigger. But, you know, you actually kept it up, which I suppose is quite impressive. Thanks very much, Adam. Is it part of your health kick that you're Yeah. The thing is, it's a health kick that's getting periodically slash regularly interrupted by the weekend, which is like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really annoying how this... I didn't make the rules, but I've been born into this world where you can only really achieve anything in about four days of the week. So it's not enough because then there are three days where everything gets set back. All hell breaks loose. Exactly. And there's nothing you can do about well, that. Well, no, it's impossible, Adam. It is impossible. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's incremental benefits I'm seeing at the moment. But, hey, you know, put enough, put enough of those together. You have a weekend of mayhem every week and then you just sort of compensate for that by walking to the studio <laughs> once a week and that just you know that purifies me uh this is why i don't walk i i drive because you know i'm a i'm a chiseled adonis already aren't I? So <laughs> I don't really need to uh but do you think the fact that you've driven today not walked do you think that that might change our mood slightly it might change the uh atmosphere here in the studio tonight because presumably when you're walking to the studio you're listening to music in your headphones are you sort of trying to get psyched up yeah, listening to a bit of Eye of exactly. the Tiger or something like that. That sort of thing. And when I drive and I'm on my own, I'm I'm listening to I'm driving around listening to some heavy metal, banging my head to some yeah. heavy metal, a bit of Nirvana. I actually realised this the other day. I was driving around listening to Smells Like Teen Spirit, just banging my head. I was like, I'm such a teenager. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I never really had that phase when I was a teenager, but now I've got it. So I saw my mum the other day. She was like, How's your week been? I was like. Shut up, I didn't ask to be born. <laughs> I often fail to take note of how loud my, the music I'm playing seems outside the car. You know, when you're in the car, you're in like a little bubble, you don't think anyone else can hear it. So I have to always like temper what I'm doing as I drive through busy bits of town. Because <laughs> uh, it is. Presumably it's when you're stopped at red lights. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the killer. I mean, sometimes, you know, if there's a really good song on there, it's just you stop at red light, boom, turn it up. Let <laughs> people know. You see people starting to dance. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely true, like, when you're stopped at red lights, you know, you think as the driver that people can't hear, but when you're, you know, walking down the road, you can always hear people's music, yeah. particularly if they're stopped, which is a little bit worrying because I realised, as well as, like, listening to Nirvana, I just realised this morning I was listening to Aqua, Dr. Jones. Right. Okay. So, so if people heard that, that might knock my reputation a little bit. This probably explains why you'd never heard of Adele. <laughs> it's not... Can I just say, it's not that I'd never heard of Adele. It's that I couldn't name a Grammy song. Grammy award winning Adele. It's that I couldn't name a song by Adele, apart from Skyfall. And now Rolling in the Deep, because you made me learn that. But I couldn't tell you how it goes. I think you need a reboot. Not that I'm saying like I'm a super Adele fan, but... <laughs> yeah, it, does, it does sound it a bit like, like that. that. You seemed a bit offended when you found out that I couldn't name an Adele song. Yeah, well, personally. You keep telling people at parties, can you believe this idiot doesn't know an Adele I know, it's song? Like, it's, it's kind of... It's a good way in. You can talk, you can talk to anyone like this. Like, Have you seen this guy? It's a good doesn't icebreaker know? for you with yeah. girls at parties, isn't it? Just, yeah. They can't believe it. Just trash my reputation. <laughs> Point out how out of touch I am. Listeners may have already heard alarms going off in the building here. They're just uh, they're testing the fire alarm. So it's nothing to worry about. We are in this soundproof studio, so we're not sure whether you'll, you'll be able to hear it uh, on the recording. But if you do hear anything going on, that's what it is. We're not going to evacuate the building. Listeners might remember that a few months ago, an unexpected fire alarm went off and the fire brigade came down. I don't think that's going to happen tonight. It's not supposed to. No, we're going to brave it this time. It's just tests, we hope. You know, if 
you hear the door getting chopped down <laughs> by by some you know, grief of firemen. A grief of then angry firemen. You'll know it wasn't a test. But sometimes you you know you've got to take risks to uh, you know to give people what they want or don't want. Well, what's coming up on the show today? I think it's going to be a slightly more relaxed episode than usual, you know, a bit looser, a bit more freewheeling. We've taken off our ties, trying to be a bit less serious because, you know, I, I know things can get a bit stuffy on this show, can't they? A bit dry. Uh, so we're going to try and really uh, make it a bit more lighthearted. This week sees the return of our wildly popular item, Got a Question, where we'll be answering your questions. And the questions have been flooding in. Uh, if you notice the internet slowing down this week, that was why. Uh, so we've got lots of those to get through and we'll get cracking in a minute. But I have got with me some excellent side notes this week as well, Tone. So there's that to look forward to as well. But the IPL started today, Tone. The greatest show on earth. Or is that the Cirque du Soleil? I'm never sure. <laughs> it's a bit of a circus, I suppose. Am I right? Yeah. Am I right? And if there is some Soleil, then that would be nice. Did you watch the opening game today? Uh, I watched the scorecard tick over <laughs> uh, on Crick Info. That's what I did do. No, I followed the you live. You at work at that point. I followed you? the live commentary. And I was in bed. Right. I, yeah, I was having a nap. It's back, and yet again, uh, neither of the sides we support have got any any hope. So you know, if I could wind back the clock, what is it now? Three years. Three years. That's, that's yeah. scary, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, what if we, we could do go back lives, three yeah. years, I would have, you know, I would have felt for a different piece of paper. Well, yeah, for for listeners who aren't aware, three years ago we drew teams out of the hat uh, to support in the IPL, and Tony picked out the Rajasthan Royals. And I picked out the Kings Eleven Punjab. And since then, neither of those teams has done anything. It's been absolutely rubbish all three seasons that we've supported them. Uh, and this is the fourth season. And again, they've bought no one and appear to be going nowhere. So that's all just great. Uh, but aside from that, Tony, are you excited about the IPL this year? It's hard. I don't know. Difficult to know. I want to go to it, Adam. That's what I feel that would really kind of galvanise my interest in it. Can we go next year? Can I ask you this now? Do you want to go next year? Well, it's one There's of those a lot things. on the card next, you know, next year's busy. It's one of those things already. where I'm going to say, yeah, yeah, we'll go to it next year. Because that's a year away and, you know, so that'll never happen. I'll, there's no way that next year will ever come round. I live a lot of my life <laughs> like that. Part of picking those sides was, uh, you know, as a way of kind of getting into it. Uh, and it did work briefly. I did get quite attached to the Rajasthan rules. But, you know, they're not going to do anything. So not, no prospect that they'll be able to do anything. And you're a glory uh, hunter, so... I'm a, exactly. But one thing is, what I am is that I'm a kind of, you know, I'm all about hope, and there's just no hope. Well, I'd like to uh, assure listeners who perhaps do enjoy the IPL that we will talk about it as the season goes on. I know in the past we've we've sometimes struggled to get into it a bit, but we've always delivered reports on it, haven't we? Uh, we've always done our best. <laughs> and uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's the most important thing. That's the Cubs motto, isn't it? Or the Scouts. I promise to do my best. Something like that. Can we take that as the World Cricket Show motto as well, do you think? I promise to do my best. To do my duty by God and the Queen. See, it's coming back to me now. Yeah, I was never in that. You've got the TV on. No, I know, I'm just saying, mate, <laughs> it's, it's about the Spanish princess. There's a TV above it's my head. News. I didn't realise it was on. No, I haven't looked at it. I mean, I've not looked at it. I'm just watching Game of Thrones or something <laughs> above yeah. my head. Hey, Tony. It's me, Adam. Do you know what time it is? It's quarter to eight. <laughs> That's... That's the time, but it's also time for Got A Question. Here's the jingle. Right, on this item, what we do is we say to the listeners, have you got a question for us? And some listeners say, yes, yes, I've got a question. And they send us their questions and we answer 
those questions. If you've got a question, you can email us, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. You can tweet us or Facebook us, twitter.com slash cricketshow and facebook.com slash cricketshow. We've got a lot of questions this week. We're probably not going to have time to cover all of them. We might save some for a future instalment. So if we don't answer your question today, don't worry, we will answer it at some point. I'm going to start with a real hard-hitting cricket question, Tony, and it comes from Dave Legg on Facebook. How many times a day does Tony clean his teeth? Two, Adam. Two times a day. Okay, well, we can really rattle through these questions (laughs) if if we're going to make the answers as short and sharp as that. Uh, Another question from Dave Legg. Uh, He went a bit mad, asked loads of questions on Facebook. Who's the best-looking member of the WCS team? Tough question to answer, isn't it? Difficult question, yeah. I don't think listeners have any idea. I don't like this question because, you know, in many ways, the whole reason we got into audio podcasting was to get away from questions like this because it is something that really plagues us in our our regular lives, isn't it? And people say to us, why don't you get into video podcasting? And the answer is because we want people to take us seriously. Exactly. Not just eye candy. But in all seriousness, I guess the answer to this question has surely got to be London correspondent Gordon McRae, whose nickname is Dreamboat. Well, yeah, he looks like Mesut Ozil, doesn't he? (laughs) So... Uh, you know, make of that what you will. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, but you can judge it by a lookalike. So, you know, Mesut Ozil, Gordon, Gill from The Simpsons, or <laughs> Russell Crowe, Tony. I don't look like Gill from The Simpsons. <laughs> you think that I dress like Gill from The Simpsons. You And one person told you that you look like Russell Crowe. It's enough for me. And they were very drunk at the time. It's enough for me. Anyway, uh, an actual cricket question uh, comes from Robert Barnes on the email. He says, all right, lads. Long-time listener here, and when I heard you guys were doing the famed Got A Question, I had to write in. I've always enjoyed the podcast, and it makes my seven-and-a-half-mile cycle to work go that little bit faster. It has recently occurred to me that the big four sides, South Africa, England, Australia and India, are all coached by Southern Africans, two Zimbabweans and two South Africans. What do you think it is about famous cricketing nations that has halted them producing top coaches? Do you perhaps feel that there are too many former players going into punditry in brackets, Nick Knight, unfortunately, rather than coaching nowadays? Or is this simply a pure coincidence? He's right, Tone. Gary Kirsten and Mickey Arthur from South Africa and Andy Flower and Duncan Fletcher from Zimbabwe. It's quite an interesting question. Is there a reason why it should be Southern Africans that that are the top coaches at the moment, or is it just a coincidence? Guernsey now coached by a South African. Nick Pothis, you know, another top side. Another cricketing heavyweight coached by a Southern African. Uh, it's hard to say. Maybe there is something more than coincidence. You know, maybe there is something in the South African mentality that is conducive to coaching. Yeah, I suppose the uh, the South African cricketing system is is famous for being quite rigorous for instilling uh, quite a lot of discipline in the players that come through. You know, South African sides are always excellent fielding sides and have always got a great work ethic. And maybe that, to start with, born of the fact that they've got very good coaches and also encourages a lot of those players to become coaches themselves. It, it, it sets them up with the tools that they need to, to become coaches. So it's possible there's something in that. Obviously, that's a very uh, generalised point, but but maybe there's something in that. I think Robert's point about the media career is an interesting one. I think certainly for retiring England players, a career in the skybox is much more appealing and potentially much more lucrative than a coaching career would be. Um, certainly at a lower level, and even if they made it up to coaching one of the top international sides. I mean, you take someone like Mike Atherton, you take someone like Nasser Hussain, the two of them have got unsurpassed cricket brains. They'd make fantastic coaches. 
but they've chosen to be pundits. You know, maybe if they were from another country and they didn't have that option of going to work for Sky, where they're very well remunerated, maybe that wouldn't have been as appealing an option. I mean, obviously, not all retiring England players go into commentary, so that can't explain the whole phenomenon, if it, indeed it is a phenomenon. Uh, you know, Graham Thorpe, Ashley Giles have both retired recently, both look like becoming excellent coaches. But I think it is true to say that in England and in Australia, retiring players have many more options than they do in other countries. For a start, they're a lot more famous in the wider public than cricketers from, say, New Zealand or Zimbabwe would be. So, you know, Phil Tufnell can forge a, a media career completely outside of cricket. You know, he, he doesn't need to go into coaching. Shane Warne, likewise, and they can become pundits as well. So maybe that is part of it, but then it doesn't explain why it's limited to Southern Africa, if we're identifying that as being the phenomenon here. You know, it doesn't explain why coaches aren't coming out of West Indies and New Zealand and the subcontinent. I think also there's maybe a... a the possibilities while the English, you know, English coaches going into coach England maybe get a rougher time from the media than you know Andy Flower would get if he, you know, things started to go south. You know, you know, Moores didn't didn't get the easiest time of it. I mean, obviously circumstances are different, but I know what you mean in the sense that yeah, often overseas coaches are sort of automatically seen as being better because they're sort of more exotic, uh, whereas it's hard to take Peter Moores as seriously as it would be if he was from Australia. I mean, that's definitely the perception in the English media. But then the flip side to that is that when things start to go wrong, often foreign coaches get a much more difficult time of it. Like, I think Duncan Fletcher suffered quite a lot towards the end of his tenure, perhaps more than he would have done if he'd been English because he was sort of seen as an outsider and, you know, he doesn't quite understand what it means to uh, to lead this England team. And that's not true, but that was sort of the uh, perception that developed. Uh, you can see that a similar thing in, in football. Again, it's both things. Like, you can't take Steve McLaren seriously because he's English, but then at the same time, Fabio Capello gets really rough treatment because, oh, he doesn't understand this country. He doesn't understand what it means to be England manager. Yeah, it seems like there is uh, there's more of a sense that, you know, in football... Oh, the you know the coach has got to be from the country in cricket. The, the, yeah, there's less uh, there's less resistance to that idea. Uh, but you know, I don't know. Taking England as an example, you know, and maybe it, you know it was the players that they had to use. But you know, just the English coaches didn't do very well, did they? In, in our lifetime, before Duncan Fletcher, well, Dave, Lloyd, Lloyd, David Lloyd, his nickname's Bumble. So, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> that, that sort of. Uh, <clears throat> Starts to explain that, doesn't it? Illingworth didn't have a great record, did he, before then? But then again, it was, you know, it was a desperate era for English cricket. So it's, it's really hard to say. You know, maybe in England, Duncan Fletcher coming in and doing so well, yeah, maybe that has kind of, you know, increased the kind of capital of, of you know, of a South African coach. Maybe, you know, maybe <clears throat> that's why Andy Flower, that, well, Andy, they turned to Andy Flower after Peter Moores because they thought, oh, we need a Duncan Fletcher-esque we need a Zimbabwean. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's a bit, I mean, the, <laughs> the Bank of England have done the same thing. I and mean, then they've gone, Canada did all right out of the uh, global economic meltdown. Let's get a Canadian in. It's just as simple as that, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go overboard on sort of concentrating on the Southern Africans because obviously there are coaches from other parts of the world who currently coach international teams and in the past as well. You know, John Wright is from New Zealand. John Bracewell's from New Zealand. Dav Watmore's from Australia. You know, there's there's lots and lots of examples of top-class coaches who aren't from Southern Africa, but then there are also lots more examples of top-class coaches 
who are like Graham Ford and Bob Wilmer, who, who was English, but uh, learned his trade, as it were, in, in South Africa. I did have a theory that if you're from one of the lesser cricketing nations like Zimbabwe or New Zealand, maybe that gives you an advantage in terms of becoming a great coach because as a player from one of those countries, if you if you play cricket internationally for Zimbabwe or New Zealand, you do have to strategize more. You've got to rely more. You've got to rely on more than just your ability, which sort of seems plausible to me. But if that were the case, then all of the England players from the 90s would have turned into <laughs> exceptional coaches. You know, it, it, that can't be it. But maybe it is um, relevant when you're talking about someone like Andy Flower, I think. Yeah, I think you've got to be the right type of character, haven't you? Maybe, you know, maybe that England team of the 90s just didn't contain the right kind of type of people. But yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And you take the, this, the recent great Australian side, one of the players like Hayden or something, just standing, on, standing there watching Warren do the business. Probably doesn't have to, didn't really have to think much, did he? Just went out there, batted, and really well, obviously. But yeah, just went out there, batted. And then it, when he fe- fielded, just kind of let everyone else get on with it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, his his adv- if Hayden was a coach, his advice to his players would be just give it to Warren. Yeah, it's like well, we haven't got Warren. There's no so- shortage of a South African or Southern African element in the uh, current England team, and you know the last few years. So you know, if anyone is likely to kind of punch out and become a coach from the current England setup, you know, odds odds on they're going to be South African. <laughs> yeah, true. It's interesting talking about that uh, great Australian side. The only one. Um, who looks like becoming a coach is is Justin Langer, who you would say is someone that really made the most out of what he had. He was a bit of a Paul Collingwood figure, you know, not the most talented, but but grafted and made it work for him. And maybe there's something in that. But beyond that, I don't know. I think it, it probably is just a coincidence that at the moment there are four Southern Africans in charge of the top four teams. You know, there are probably things that we've just talked about there that are relevant to those particular people, but there's no reason why that should always be the case. There's no reason why an English or Australian or West Indian or Indian coach wouldn't become one of the, the, the top coaches in the world. I don't think there's any reason why that couldn't be the case. Um, if anyone can think of any any other explanations let us know maybe we haven't got all the answers tone if you can believe that i don't think we've got many have we well yes try our best a question from freddie barber on twitter what is your best england 11 from the atherton era to today i love this question i think about this question with arguably embarrassing regularity like whenever i've got nothing else to think about you know whenever whenever i get bored in a conversation, if you ever see my eyes glazing over Tane, it's because I'm selecting my post-Atherton England eleven. <laughs> it changes quite often, but this is what I've got right now. My openers are Marcus Truscothic and Alistair Cook. Uh, at number three is Michael Vaughan, and he's my captain. Then I've got Peterson at four, Graham Thorpe at five, Andrew Flintoff in the all-rounder slot at six, Matt Pryor, my wicketkeeper, Graham Swan, my spinner, and a seam attack of Darren Goff, Jimmy Anderson and Matthew Hoggard. Now, what did you make of that, Tane? Well, it's pretty spot on, yeah. Difficult not to, for me, not to put more emphasis on 2005. So that seemed like the kind of pinnacle. Well, your 2005 Ashes heroes, uh, you got Triscothic, Vaughan, Peterson, Flintoff and Hoggard. So five of the 11. Just go through that, just go through that lower order for me again, the, the, the bowling attack. Uh, the bowling attack is Swan, Goff, Hoggard, Anderson with Flintoff as the all-rounder. That would be a pretty fearsome attack, wouldn't it? It'd be pretty tidy, wouldn't it? Pretty tasty. I mean, talking about that 2005 team, Steve Harmison at his best, Simon Jones at his best, they'd both be in there. 
but Jones never played again after a terrible injury after he played like 18 test matches and Steve Harmison was only at his best for about 10 test matches in his whole career so I don't think you can really include them but in terms of players that it's tough to leave out you know Strauss Hussain Alex Stewart Atherton himself Caddick Jonathan Trott even I think probably in time Jonathan Trott will be in there but at the moment I think you've got to go with Vaughan certainly a more attractive player to watch the place for Aftab Habib in there (laughs) No, and Usman Afsal just missed out. <laughs> Did Ed Giddens get looking in there? In one of my late night thought experiments, uh, he was in the mix, but he, he didn't quite make it. But in the end, I, I went for Matthew Hoggard. Some people would dispute Hoggard, I think, but for me, he's one of the most underrated cricketers of all time. <laughs> I stress one of the most. Uh, He was just so effective. He had a bit of a reputation for relying on overhead conditions to make the ball swing. Uh, And that, you know, if if it didn't swing, that he wouldn't take wickets. But that simply wasn't the case. I mean, I can remember test matches in Nagpur and Adelaide and Barbados where Hoggard made things happen on flat decks when nobody else could. And I just thought he was a magnificent cricketer. And he's one of the players in the England team that I most miss, I would say. Another one is Marcus Truscothic. Cook broke the England century record recently, didn't he? But for his illness, Truscothic would have broken every record going. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. He had 14 test hundreds when he finished his career, and that was seven years ago. He's still scoring buckets of runs in county cricket. You know, how much better would this England team be if Chiscothic was still in it? That's not a rhetorical question, Tone. I want you to, to quantify it for me. Truscothic <laughs> uh, could have won. Uh, you know, he would have... Squeaking around on that oh, chair. I don't know, I'm just getting restless. <laughs> uh, just well, getting bored. Just I, really bored. It's really hard to say, isn't it? Because if Truscothic's still there, then Cook probably doesn't... Maybe doesn't make his debut when he does. That's a good point. And doesn't, yeah, doesn't go on to break the, the 100 record and dominate Australia down under. Or possibly... Cook would have forced his way in at the expense of Strauss, and then you wouldn't have had the Strauss captaincy era. Yeah. Or Cook might have batted at three, or Chiscothic might have moved down, or Strauss might have moved down. 
A lot is possible. All questions. A lot of what-ifs. It's one of history's greatest what-ifs, isn't it? <laughs> it's up there with what if the Nazis had won the war. Nostalgically speaking, there are some names that Dominic Cork used to enjoy watching him. Yeah. Well, uh, Devin Malcolm. Yeah. Dean Headley. Could we just do a whole podcast where we just name former <laughs> England cricketers and get really nostalgic about it? Because I could. Yeah. Mike Watkinson. Jack Russell. Craig White. <laughs> I really could go on. <laughs> I really could. Alan Mullally as well. Oh. He used to love Alan Mullally. Now, Alan Mullally is also the name of, like, some the chairman of Ford, guy. I think. Is that who it yeah. is? It's someone, isn't it? Alan Mullally is an American engineer and business executive who is the president and chief executive officer of the Ford Motor Company. Yeah. That's good knowledge from yeah. you, though. Cheers, mate. Uh, but, yeah, it's just quite weird, because I guess Ford must have been in the news, were they, a lot recently? You know, you'd split across the, the 10 o'clock news, and there'd be something about Alan Mullally <laughs> yeah. talking about, you know, the US economy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> More terrible <laughs> figures for the US economy today. Here's what Alan Mullally had to say. More disastrous economic data. Let's see what Devin Malcolm makes of it. No, Andy Caddick, I mean, you know, in terms of, well, I don't know if it's because of, you know, uh, it was so cool at the time or if it's because it gets replayed a lot, but, you know, Andy Caddick's four wickets in and over, you can't really argue with that as a, you know, that was seminal in my cricket development as a kind of spectator. So, special place for him. Do you think we have any non-England fans left listening to this episode? It's it's probably, well, we could do this for every team. (laughs) We could do it for every team. I'd happily do it for every team. If 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 people in uh, future weeks want to write in with questions asking me to select my post-Atherton uh, <laughs> New Zealand oh. 11, I'd be up for that. <laughs> so just let me know. I've got nothing to do. My life I'll is pretty to, empty. I mean, the thing is, what it would be, though, of all, you know, it's like if someone asked me who my favourite F1 drivers of all time are, they all come from one year in the <laughs> 90s when I got really into F1. Gerhard Berger. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, perhaps people let us know if you want us to do that. Uh, Another question on Twitter comes from Louise James. Did you know that Guernsey is an anagram of US energy found out while attempting to solve a cryptic crossword on the train, she says. Anagrams? What's your name an anagram of? An anagram for Adam Bayfield is amiably faded or bad failed yam (laughs) or fabled maid, yeah? Fabled maid, yeah? Uh, an anagram for Tony Kerr is corny rut or Kerr right. no try, which I think is quite appropriate. Kerr no try. Uh, an anagram for world cricket show is worst cliched work, which I think we should put on the poster. It's quite suitable. Anagrams. How do they? How do you? How, you know? How do they work? What do you mean? How do well, they? Obviously, work? know how they work, but you know, how did people make anagrams before anagram makers? Before online? the internet? Yeah. yeah. I don't know because I can't. To quote, it just would have been a thankless task. I don't think I've ever done one. Like, you know, on crosswords, anagram clues. I always have to give that to someone else. I cannot do it. I think you're supposed to write all the letters in a circle. Because if you just look at an existing word and try and make anagrams out of it, it's kind of impossible because your brain just sees that word over and over again. Yeah, not some people's brains. Right, next question. Uh, Next question comes from Alison Murphy on the email. Will you be getting into county cricket this year? Uh, we got a recent iTunes review, Tone, uh, from someone who said uh, that they'd only recently started listening to the show. And they said, you know, I'm enjoying the show. I just really hope that when summer comes around, they don't disappear down the rabbit hole of uh, county cricket. 
Uh, I'd say there's probably no danger of that. I wouldn't worry about it. For the past few years, we keep saying, oh, let's try and get into county cricket, and it hasn't really happened, has it? Uh, no. I'd like to, but I think we, we, we made this point at the start of last summer. Because of the absence of county of a county in Guernsey, it's hard to get into it, isn't it? It's hard to, to find a way in. And I agree with you at the time, and I do see your point, but I think some people picked us up on this last year. That's really not a very good excuse because, I mean, we both support football teams, don't we? You support, yeah. I mean, I support Wimbledon because I was born there and supported them before moving to Guernsey. But you support Newcastle. You've literally never been to Newcastle, <laughs> so I'm not sure it's really an excuse that you haven't got a local county. No, well, no, I do support Warwickshire. I was born in Warwickshire. But, I don't know, we kind of peaked, you know, Warwickshire peaked with Lara and Nick Knight, you know. It's never going to get any better than that. It doesn't get any better than Nick Knight, does it? <laughs> um, no, so I'm not sure that I can accept that excuse from you, Tane. I think if county cricket was more exciting, more interesting, then we would get into it, regardless of the fact that there's no local team for us to follow. It's just a bit messy, I think. I mean, There's a problem this season. I mean, the, the championship starts next Wednesday, which is the 10th of April. I mean, that is awfully early, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it does seem to get earlier every year. Although it probably was just as early last year, but it's so cold in Britain at the moment that the idea of playing county cricket just seems absurd. Well, we're going to be playing cricket probably in about two weeks. And it was just slightly worrying. And it's going to be freezing. And it was it was literally warmer than this in December. And that's actually true. Yeah. We'd have been better off playing cricket in December. So that is a, a particular problem this year. I'm sure the weather will warm up at some point. I bloody hope so. Uh, but it is a problem why perhaps people haven't quite realised that the county season is about to start. There's a good article in The Guardian this week about the experience of watching county cricket at the ground in April. A quote that I liked was that the supporters there give every impression of hating the very thing they most love, uh, which I think is true. You do wonder what those people are actually getting out of it. But yeah, I just think it, it is, it's very messy, isn't it, county cricket? I mean, the championship starts in April and it doesn't finish till September. There's 16 games in that time, which is a reasonable number, but obviously they could be played in a more condensed period than that. Then there's 40-over cricket as well. I'm not quite sure what they're doing playing that. Major restructuring needs to happen for me to sort of tidy it all up. Basically, for, to, to know what county cricket is like, take international cricket, increase the number of teams by, what, double and then play all the matches for all three formats in a shorter amount of time than a year. Uh, and, yeah, you've, no one knows what's going on with international cricket half the time, so how you can keep track of county cricket is beyond me. It just needs some kind of coherent programme. And, and the problem is that, you know, all the counties are independently run, they all are out to look after themselves, and that there's no kind of centralised body sorting it out. And that is a problem. For me, county cricket is interesting largely as a barometer of how good potential England players are. And in that light, it's a big season for James Harris, the young fast bowler who's moved county to Middlesex. He's going to be looking to push for England selection this year. Quite a few judges have identified him as the next big thing in the England bowling department. And we talked about this during the New Zealand series. There does seem to be a sudden dearth of options for England in the bowling. And that makes an international career for Harris seem more likely and perhaps more immediate as well. In a similar vein, the early part of the season, I think it is massive for Graham Onions, who really needs to get back on track after quite a difficult winter carrying drinks for England. But if he has the same sort of start to this season that he had to last season, 
you might remember he took uh, nine wickets in an innings and a run out early on last year. If he can do something similar again, he could yet push for Ashes selection. Other players who need big seasons are James Taylor, James Vince and Ben Stokes, who all stalled a bit last year but have an enormous amount of potential. But yeah, obviously this year in particular, you know, county form is going to be much more scrutinised than normal. We've got 10 Ashes tests coming up. And it does seem like there are some places up for grabs in the England side, particularly in the bowling, as I say. 10 Ashes tests, how many injuries are there going to be? I, I really can't imagine that the same three fast bowlers that start the first test at Trent Bridge are going to be playing the last test in Sydney, are they? So th- th- there's a lot of opportunity for other fast bowlers to kind of throw their hats into the ring. Who's your tip for the championship, Tone? Who's going to win the title? Obviously, your beloved Warwickshire ran out winners last time. Can they do I it know. again? Uh, yes, they can. I was surprised to hear that the uh, the BBC are going to be doing live commentary of every single county match this season. So I might tune into a few, uh, to a few Warwickshire games. I mean, the question that that prompts is, why? <laughs> I mean, it is. I find it slightly surprising. How many people do they have to employ to bring Maybe radio commentary? Maybe you should commentary? see if they send us out and <laughs> to commentate on something. For me, I think Warwickshire will be in the mix again, but Surrey look a pretty decent bet. As you might remember, Tone, uh, Surrey were kind of the Manchester United of county cricket in the 90s, weren't they? But they've, they've struggled. That's why you started to support them. <laughs> but they've struggled in recent years, particularly last season when they were hit hard by uh, the, the death of Tom Maynard. Uh, and then during the off-season, they lost Rory Hamilton-Brown and Mark Ramprakash, who retired. But they also made some astute signings. Graham Smith comes in as captain and overseas player. And they've also picked up Vikram Solanke and Gary Keady, who are very experienced pros. Chris Tremlett is fit again, and he's going to be hungry for wickets as he looks to uh, get himself in the frame for Ashes selection. So it really looks like Surrey have got a, a pretty strong side there. They would probably be my tip. But then Warwickshire as well, as I say, maybe Somerset, Somerset. Triscothic, James Hildreth, George Dockrell. I can just name some players. <laughs> George Dockrell, Peter Trigo. Next week on the podcast, we'll uh, just name England players. And then the week after that, we can just name county players. I like this new direction that we're going in with the World Cricket Show. Yeah. <laughs> just... <coughs> Warren Hegg. <laughs> Peter Such. <laughs> One final question comes from Maitri Jai Saria. If Stuart Broad was a character on The Wire, what would his role be? And how long would he last? You haven't watched I've The Wire watched yet, the wire. have you? No, no, I will do it one day. Long-time listeners know that I'm obsessed with it. I did lend you the box set to watch, yeah. my season one box set. I didn't really get a chance. <laughs> you had it for ages and ages <laughs> and eventually gave it back to me having not watched it. In fact, long-time listeners might also remember that uh, I had major knee surgery about 18 months ago and I'd lent you The Wire about six months before that and you'd said you were going to watch it. And then I was about to have the surgery and I was like, well, I'm trying to sort of stock up on DVDs because I'm going to have a few weeks in bed. And I thought, maybe I'll re-watch The Wire. I was like, Tane, any chance I could uh, get The Wire back off you? And you're like, no. I was like, but I thought you weren't watching it. And you're like, no, I'm going to start it this week. I'm going to start it this week. A few months later, you then gave it back to me having not watched it. Yeah, this... I need like a kind of... You know, I need to pause everything else in my life and just do all the things that, you know... I think that's quite. I think that's quite a universal ambition of people, really. But I mean, I say I'm, I complain about you uh, having my wire box set for ages. I think I still have your Back to the Future trilogy box set, which I borrowed the best part of a decade ago. I mean, that is just mine now. I mean, the lesson for all of us in that is 
don't bother buying DVDs. <laughs> there is no point, is there? I have tried to stop lending people stuff because it, it really is a problem. I mean, people constantly turn up to the beach wearing pairs of my <laughs> swimming shorts. Last summer I was on the beach and I bumped into someone that I'd not seen for like two years. We were both like, oh, how's it going? I don't see you for ages. I was like, are you wearing my swimming shorts? <laughs> and he was. Right, next question. Uh, well, we haven't actually answered that question at all. But I, I, I'm not in a position to answer well, it. Well, I think my answer would be that I think Stuart Broad would be Herc, which will mean nothing to Tony, but to people who have watched The Wire. I think Herc, he shows a lot of promise, and for a while he really starts to grow on you, but in the end, he just f***s everything up. The side notes now, on which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of The Cricketing Week. I've got a couple of side notes for you here, Tone. Uh, they both come from Crick Info, actually. We haven't done the side notes for a while, so you'd think that would give me a bit of time to sort of scour the internet, find a number of different news sources for these articles, but in the end, I've just gone back to Crick Info. This first one's called Aussies Fail Merv's Tash Test. No use blaming the batsmen, the pitches, or the lack of spinners. Former Australia fast bowler Merv Hughes, instantly recognisable in his playing days for his handlebar moustache, has said what Australia lacked on the tour of India was not skill, determination or a magic wand, but facial hair. Hugh said, quote, I feel facial hair brings the best out of the players. I would like to see the guys with the moustaches, beards, goatees, half beards and half shaved heads. <coughs> Hughes also had another practical reason for his suggestion. When the Australians come to the subcontinent, a lot of the guys grow beards to protect their face from the sun. It's not just a fashion statement. When I played, a lot of people had moustaches. David Boone and Graham Gooch both had lovely moustaches. Interestingly, neither Gooch nor Boone were part of a series win in India. <laughs> and Hughes never played a test in India. What do you make of that, Tim? Do you think that was the problem for the Aussies? No beards? Yeah, I mean... You do? Yeah. I mean, they could have... Uh... You think that was the problem? Well, you know, maybe if they'd spent more time concentrating on their beards and doing little bits of homework, then maybe they wouldn't have fallen out. They fell out because they didn't do the homework. Yeah, no, but if they'd all been just focusing on beards instead of, yeah, instead of being asked to do homework. Right, so if Mickey Arthur had said, said, grow a beard. Forget the homework, grow a beard. Yeah. That might have embarrassed Steve Smith, though, don't you think? Or... It's possible, yeah. All right, well, uh, one other side note, also <laughs> from Crick Info, as I say. This one's called Jadeja's Wicked Wiki Profile. Ravindra Jadeja, the India all-rounder, has two first-class triple centuries to his name in the 2012-13 season and is currently in the purplest patch of his career with the ball, having accounted for Australia captain Michael Clarke in five innings out of six in the Test Series. Yet even those deeds paled in comparison to a recent insertion in his Wikipedia profile. It called him, quote, a philanthropist, a Nobel Prize winner, a double laureate sportsman of the year, and the nearest human to God. Wikipedia, the free online encyclopedia that readers can edit, is known or notorious for the ease with which entries can be tweaked by the public and the qualifications were as swiftly deleted. What do you make of that, Tone? Do you use this Wikipedia? Um, yeah, I've heard about this Wikipedia. <laughs> it's an online encyclopedia which okay. users can edit. You know, this is the sort of article that you might have read eight, nine years ago. Uh, at what point do, we, do people have to still explain things i don't care if you don't know what wikipedia is <laughs> by now i'm not no one should have to be to be forced to explain it <laughs> yeah and then he, yeah, he just reached for uh you know and then he, he put it shopping in the fridge you know a fridge is just a you know a cooling <laughs> box 
a, a mechanical mechanised cooling device <laughs> that's notorious for keeping food cold. Use what's known as a telephone, <laughs> a device for speaking to people yeah. in a different place to you. Yeah, if in 15 years people like, and then he and then he posted a status about it on Facebook, a social network allowing people be, to yeah. communicate. Yeah, it's like I give you, you get one year of explaining <laughs> it in my book, and then you have to stop. I spend a terrifying amount of time just down the rabbit hole on Wikipedia. Oh, Wikipedia is is brilliant. I mean, that's kind of what I do with my life. When I'm not selecting my post-Atherton England 11, I'm just clicking links on Wikipedia, just hopping from one thing to the next. Start off looking up, like, David Bowie or something, and then before you know it, I'm on a list of the world's southernmost settlements. <coughs> Number one is, uh, as well you know, Puerto Williams in Chile. So there you go. There you go. I just sit there, like, obsessively reading this stuff, and then I feel the need to tell people yeah. about it. Like, I phone people up, like, did you know that the world's southernmost settlement is Puerto Williams in Chile? And they're like, yeah, Adam, it's 2.30 in the morning. What exactly is it that you want? Much like April Fool's Day, this episode of The World Cricket Show has been a lot less amusing than you'd think, given the hype surrounding it. It's probably about time, therefore, that we brought it to an end. Did you do any pranks on April Fool's Day, Tone? A lad like you? Have you ever done any pranks don't on April it. Fool's Day? Don't believe in it. Don't like it at all. It's, it's, it's one of my least April Fool's Day and A-Level Results Day uh, <laughs> are the two most annoying news days of the year. And then obviously Kate, when Kate Middleton gives birth, that would be the most annoying news day of all time. Uh, yeah, it's just really annoying. I can't be bothered with it. Not interested. Can't remember an April Fool's that made me laugh. <laughs> it is quite a weird thing that people are just like, oh, on this one particular day, it's fine for reputable news sources to just put out bullshit. Yeah. It just wouldn't happen any other day. And also, like, where do you draw the line at a prank? On April Fool's Day, can you get away with, with anything? Like, if I went outside and let all the air out of your tyres and was like, April Fool's, would that be acceptable? Yeah, that, well, probably. I'd be forced to accept it. It'd be socially acceptable. Yeah, exactly. By my wider community. Have you ever pulled any pranks on anyone? No, I don't think so. I'm constantly setting up the bucket of water on the door <laughs> here at the studio, but so I far... through it. You haven't gone through it. I like that. I wish I could come up with pranks, but I just, I never think of them. I got into a prank war with my friend Seb at university. I mean, this is a classic, like... You have to define prank, though. Undergraduates, literally nothing better to do. But uh, it was was all very low-level stuff, though, like toothpaste on the underside of the door handle. Just, like, things to, like, slightly irritate the other person. Never anything major. Yeah, well, perhaps we'll start doing some pranks. Yeah, maybe we could come up with some pranks. We could start, like, a YouTube series of us pulling pranks on each other. Would you watch that? No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, you look pretty tired, Tone, so I think <laughs> we should probably wrap up. And also, you'll be pleased to know that we are going to have a week off next week. Thank God for that. We're not just you, we're both exhausted, mentally and physically exhausted. Fatigued. So there'll be a couple of weeks between this episode and the next, but in the interim, there are a number of things that you can do if you would like to get more involved in the World Creek Show. You can send us an email, worldcreekshow at gmail.com. Send us your questions or just anything. Just if you want to chat, we will actually write back. People are often a bit surprised about this. You know, we're massive celebrities, but we haven't <laughs> forgotten where we came from. We will write you back. Uh, you can like us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash show. That's where it's all happening. You can tweet all over us at twitter.com slash show. You can tweet all over Tony, at Tony Covert. Yeah, I need to get tweeting again. T-O-N-Y-C-V-R-R. What oh, well. do you mean by again? What's the again in that sentence? I don't know. I just need to get... I don't know. I need to keep remembering to tweet. You need to get some sleep, Tone. That's what you need yeah, to do. Yeah, that's really what I do need to do. Feed and sleep and tweet. If you want to do something for us, uh, you could write us a nice 
iTunes review. We like that, don't we? We like it when people do that. And we have been getting quite a lot of new reviews lately in the in the various iTunes stores around the world. It's possibly worth pointing out that there are different stores for each country. If people are slightly confused, if you are, you know, if you're in a country and you go to our iTunes page and we keep going on about, oh, thanks to everyone who's written reviews, and there are no reviews. You know, we're not making it up. They are there. But what I'm saying is, if you are in one of those countries where there's not a lot there, it's even more important yeah. that you write us a review because it, you know, it really does help to attract new listeners, and that's that's what we're all about, isn't it? It'd be nice to get a review in the Benin store. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I don't think we've I don't think we've got many reviews there. If you're listening in Comoros, give us a little a little nudge. And the other thing is that if you go to our online website www.cricketshow.net, uh, you can listen to the show on there, and you can also purchase a World Cricket Show T-shirt. It's just fifteen pounds, which includes free shipping to anywhere in the world. That is something in the region of twenty two, twenty three, twenty four dollars uh in both us and australian currency for other currencies consult the internet but that's about it i think you got much lined up for this weekend tone dreamboat mccray is over isn't he yeah grand national this weekend yeah that'd you're, be fun you're obsessed with that you are well into betting so well no, it's just it's yeah you know apart from all the horse dying it is a great event but you know i think the public's attitude to horse or the british public's attitude to horse death uh has softened this year isn't it somewhat well, with the horse meat scandal they've realized they've been eating them yeah so maybe they yeah maybe they'll get more into it uh but other than that no not really no quite weekend mate quite weekend recuperating r and r and back in two weeks time fresh we haven't actually had a break for ages because i think we had a break in october and then we were going to have a week off in january but we ended up doing a world tennis show so we've just been doing this relentlessly really this treadmill good god man that probably explains a lot doesn't it i think we do need a break listeners may well agree with that anyway stay in school everybody we'll see you next time bye for now take care Can't think of anything bad about your. Once you got Adele's first single, what LP? The one uh, seven inch. There they go. So that's my only. So you are a super I'm fan. A super, I, you me are and a Adele super go fan. way back. So there's only five hundred copies of Adam. She sold millions now of records. <laughs> so I don't know, probably worth about twenty five quid or something. Which wow. Is, which I might cash in at one point. Stephen Fry is the one that you get most of the time, isn't it? Not not often. Not anymore. Used to. I mean, most. I think it's mostly they get confused. You know, by a similar wit and intellect. You used to get it all the time until uh, he lost all that weight. Am I right? Oy. I don't. Yeah, I'm not. Just not. Yeah, I'm not. I don't, yeah, can't talk. I don't know any pranks. Would you watch? I'm that? so tired. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.